When I was a kid, I led a very blessed life. I have no idea how I got away with so many things that I did where things just worked out. I mean, like, crazily worked out. And it, I guess it hasn't really ended. Things, things just kind of fall in place for me a lot to the point where it's even annoying to my wife. Uh, when we went to England back in 16, um, I had done a little bit of research on, on do, the things you want to go see and go do, but I hate being locked into a firm schedule. And so I was like, well, we'll just kind of go as we do. And my wife's like, uh, it is the end of August. This is the high time for these things. These places are going to be full, completely booked full. I'm like, well, we'll just go swing over there. She's like, no, I looked it up online. You've got to have, like, reservations to get in these places, like, three weeks in advance, or you're just not going to get a ticket. We went over to Buckingham Palace, and I just said, any chance of us getting in at all today? And my wife's, and they're like, yeah, there's a tour in about half an hour that's still got plenty of spots open. And we went through. We went up to a, a castle uh, in Edinburgh, and, and and my wife's like, you should have bought tickets for this like before we came over here. We just went there. Any chance we can get in on a tour today? Yeah, the weather's not real great. There's plenty of room. All that stuff. I just didn't do anything. Winged it. Everything worked out perfectly to the great annoyance of my wife. Because she's like, if I planned these out perfectly, there'd still be things go wrong. But uh, that's just kind of the charmed life I've led a lot of my life. Things just kind of happen and go together. When I was a kid, there were things that I did that should have gotten me killed or maimed many times. Many times. If, if, if life was fair, I wouldn't have made it past 15. And yet somehow, a little bit through skill and dexterity, but a lot of it just by God's blessing, I almost never had anything more than a minor injury. Uh, I never even had any stitches until I was like 14, and then it was just like three in my finger that I got a cut. My mom, when she would later, much later, find out about all the shenanigans that I did as a teenager, would just shake her head and say, I think you wore out a guardian angel about every other week. There were all kinds of things that my friends and I did. We would climb up the outsides of buildings just because it was fun. We used to go across these bridges. In my hometown, there's a power canal uh, that goes through to a, a dam, and it's a pretty high current uh, in, the, in the canal. And they had built new bridges, and they, were the, they had substructures underneath them where these huge I-beams. And we would top the fence and go down underneath and cross on the I-beams just for fun. Nothing ever happened. We used to break into long abandoned buildings just to explore through them. We used to swim in, uh, they had these slips cut out of the river. Uh, the St. Mary's River is high, high current. It's, it's moving along pretty good. And they had slips cut out for uh, boats to be parked in, old boats that were at that point just never used. And we used to go swimming in there where if you got out towards the end, that current was just going to suck you right out into the river. Nothing bad 
happened. My mom kept telling me, one of these times, you're just going to die because you won't do what you're told. And yet somehow, I always got away with it. As a really good example of my insanely blessed childhood, in our town, there had once been a large tannery. I mean, industrial-sized tannery that had closed down when I was tiny. Like, it was probably in the late 60s, early 70s when it closed. But by the time I was a teenager, all of the lime that they used in this tannery, and we're talking thousands of tons of lime, that when the tannery closed, they just left it. And it had been piled in there. Uh, like, like, this is um, like crushed Lime, not limestone, but the actual lime, like what they mix in cement that makes it caustic. This, this is used in the process. And there was about a half a mile of these piles of lime where, you know, they'd come in with a conveyor belt that dumps the, the stuff off and it makes the pile, and then they move over and they get the next pile. So there was these mounds, and they were interlocking, uh, kind of like this. And you start off, it was just one row of lines, and then it would it split, and there was two rows of them. And at the biggest part of it, these piles were about 20 feet high. And they'd just been sitting there for over a decade at this point, probably almost 15 years, just sitting there. And because our town was fairly poor, they would never have thought of doing anything like building a bike park, you know, with all the ramps and all that stuff that people do tricks on. So my friends and I, we would ride our bikes over the crests of the lime piles, piles of caustic lime that had been sitting there forever. And we would go to the where there, was, there were four big piles directly across from each other, and we had made it into a cross-up. There was paths worn down into this where you'd get up on the top on your BMX, race down one side really steep, like better than a 45, about, about that big of a grade down one side and up the other, and then when you would hit the other side, we would do all kinds of stunts. We would do things like tabletops, like that, when you get up to the top and you get airborne, or we'd do a 180, where you get airborne and you flip around and come down the other way so that you can go back in the other direction. If you were really good, you'd do a 360, where you do a complete spin around in the air. And some kids, not me, would do backflips, where they would hit the top of that and get airborne and do a complete flip and come down. All of this on highly caustic substances. And by the way, when it would get to those really soaring temperatures in the UP, like 78, 79, maybe even 80, we'd be out there wearing a pair of cutoff shorts and tennis shoes. And that's it. Now, I had heard horror stories about kids who had wiped out, like crashed totally, and just grind this stuff in. Ever, I don't know if you ever crashed a bike in gravel and, and felt what that's like, but imagine that, except the gravel's now on fire under your skin. That's what it would be like to crash on that stuff, and that's why my mom absolutely forbade it, so I only went three or four times a week.
people would say, you're going to get yourself killed doing that stuff. But because 15-year-old boys quite possibly have the least common sense of all of God's creation on earth, add to that two mindsets that are dangerous together. One is that we were world-class experts in doing stunts on bikes. And the second one, that we were indestructible. We were the reincarnation of Superman. Picture? Superman? Superman. Never mind. There was a picture of Superman doing stunts on a bike. Nothing could touch us. And unfortunately for my ego, it always worked. I never had a bad accident like that. But it very well could have. As everyone here knows, no one, no one is Superman. No one is untouchable. No one is going to live forever. The reason for that is something that we all have in common as people who descend from Adam. We are all on a collision course with death. Turn with me to Romans chapter 5. Verses 12 through 21. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where
where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. When someone dies, the authorities have to label the cause of death. This can occasionally, when there's a lot of time removed, be humorous. My daughter Amanda used to be the township sextant for the township where they lived, which means she kept track of the cemeteries and she had to uh, do paperwork filings with you know death certificates and everything. And she was sorting through old records from over 100 years ago, trying to get this stuff in order because it was just piled in boxes in an attic someplace. And one record that she came across, she used to send us pictures of the funny ones. One record she came across listed the cause of death of this man as adultery. Think about it for a second. I'm not exactly sure what that tells us, but I think it means that there was a wronged wife or husband who may have been directly involved in that man's demise. Nowadays, if it isn't murder or an accident, the authorities will often list natural causes for the reason of death. And this is a misnomer. That term should not exist. Death, my friends, is not natural. It is not a friend. It is not a relief at the end of a tired and weary life. It is an enemy. And it was not intended to ever be for mankind. When God created mankind, it was with the intent that we be physically perfect and live forever. Death is an invader and was brought about for one reason and one reason only, sin. When people die of old age or heart failure or a stroke, what the coroner should put on the death certificate under cause of death should not be natural causes, as it wasn't natural for us to die. It was caused through our inherited fallen nature as a result of the first man's sin. Perhaps what they should put there instead of natural causes is they should put fallen nature causes. When Adam, which means, his name literally means mankind, humanity, and Eve, whose, light, whose name literally means life or life giver, first chose to go against the will of God and do the one thing, one thing that they had been told not to. I mean, my mom told me not to do a lot of things, and I'm sure there was a couple of them that I actually didn't do, but they were told not to do one thing. And they did it after being told not to. It brought death to all of mankind. 
It wasn't an immediate death, but the fact of death. On that day, when they ate of the fruit of the tree of knowledge, then they started to die. And we as their heirs in mankind were also condemned to face the certainty of death. In fact, up until the point at which Christ returns, if, if up until that part, the odds of getting out of this alive are two in however many billion people there have been on the earth. Mega Millions Lotto is an almost sure thing by comparison to getting out of this alive. You've got Elijah, whom God took up in the chariot of fire, and you've got Enoch, who God simply took, and so he did not taste death. Other than that, folks, fate is sealed. We cannot get out. We're all going to die. And you know what? That's a pretty big bummer. I've been to a lot of funerals, and some, I will say, were worse than others. As I mentioned last week, the death of my friend's daughter was just heartrending. On the other hand, a Christian warrior who had lived a long and good life and who had begun to suffer the ravages of disease and then passes away, by comparison, is not so tragic. In those instances where we know that they are a part of the kingdom of God and we know that they are no longer suffering the attacks of a fallen and failing body, our sorrow is mostly for ourselves at their loss that we will miss them until we are reunited on the day of judgment. But we shouldn't mistake death for a blessing. It isn't. It's the result of a curse brought about by the ramifications of sin. That sin which could only be reversed and conquered by the one who came after that first man. When the law came along many centuries and many generations later, it wasn't to introduce uh, sin. It wasn't to say, oh, okay, now there's sin. Sin had been around ever since the garden. The law was brought about to classify sin as sin and to make sure that we knew what it was. It was to point out our failures which we as descendants of Adam are bound to commit in our fallen nature and to point us to God for the forgiveness that we are in need of. As it says in our passage, death reigned from Adam to Moses. Not that because forgiveness came through the law, but the possibility of having the consequences of sin removed with the coming of the law. Mankind was told what they should do about their situation of being guilty in sin. 
and in danger of eternal death. But thanks be to God that the first Adam was not the end of that conversation. We have that second Adam, Jesus, who brings justification. Adam brought that one sin, and sin brought death. And then throughout history, all of us have sinned and been guilty, not just as the descendants of Adam and the results of his sin, but out of our own sins as well. Fortunately for us, the second Adam did not just erase the first Adam's guilt, but all the trillions and trillions of sins that have come into this world through our fallen nature have been dealt with by the one who could set us free from death. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 24 through 28. For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy places every year with a blood not his own. For then he would have to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages, to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with the sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for We are all going to die, and then will come the time of our judgment, if Jesus tarries long enough. We should be careful to make sure that our judgment is tamed by the interdiction of Christ, who was offered once for the sins of all who would accept him. Then we will not have the effects of come upon us for eternity. For while death is an enemy, the strength of death, its sting that is upon us, is only to be found in sin. More specifically, being found guilty of sin. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 50 through 58. I tell you this, brothers, Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable 
and this mortal body must put on immortality. Then the perishable puts on, oh, when the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, our beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. The world has not yet been fully relieved of the effects of that fall in the garden so long ago. If you read through Romans 8, it talks very clearly about the fact that all of creation, including ourselves, our physical selves here on this earth, groan in anticipation of the completion of the redemption. At that point, nature will be relieved and physical death will cease to be a thing. And we ourselves will have that redemption of our physical bodies. Until then, until that time, while the spiritual ramifications of sin can be removed by the acceptance of the forgiveness bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, the physical ramifications are largely still in place. The world is still groaning. We still have to to labor and toil for our daily bread. We still have bodies that get old. We still have things where you know you've been working after you stand back up. I got really stiff and sore on my knees, my back, my legs, everything ached and still actually does. As I lean over here, I can feel my lower back going, hey, knock it off. I don't know why my back sounds like that. As I get older, the pain and the aches of my body are likely to get worse, not better. <laughs> Can I get an amen? <laughs> I will eventually come to the point where this body just stops But that wasn't what was intended. And it isn't the end. When I was 15, I thought I was invincible. My mother would warn me about all the dangers and the terrible things that could befall me, and I'm like, she doesn't know I'm Superman. I thought I was immortal. I was special. I was touched. I could always come out on top escaping harm, virtually never getting hurt, despite all the stupid stuff that I would do. But no one is Superman. No one is untouchable. And no one is going to live forever. Except when we do. And 
you have been forgiven and you have been made new by the death of Jesus Christ and your acceptance of Him and your immersion into His death, His burial, and His resurrection, then you also will get to live forever. Forever.